Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to this EM360 podcast. My name is Max Curtin, the Editor-in-Chief here at EM360 and your host on today's podcast. Now in today's episode, we're going to be exploring the Business Balancing Act when it comes to user experience and security with Auth0. Now, for organizations that want to ensure safe, scalable, and efficient access to their services, effective identity and access management solutions are essential. But ensuring maximum security and maintaining a smooth user experience is a challenge. The more we move into the digital environment, the more each company must focus on these aspects and construct the identity and access management programs with the users in mind. And joining me on today's episode to discuss this further and give his insights is Chris Imbrex, who is the Regional Director, Northern and Southern Europe at Auth0. So welcome, Chris, and thank you for joining me on today's podcast. Thank you very much for inviting me, Max. Of course, of course. Would you mind just, first of all, giving our listeners a bit of introduction on yourself? Yeah, sure. I'm uh, based out of Belgium. I'm working in the identity and access management world for about 12 years. So did a couple of vendors in my past already, mm. mainly focusing on the external identity and access management world. Because that's actually my my domain of interest as well. Excellent, excellent, and it's uh, it is a fascinating market to kind of be in and to to explore. And I'm excited to kind of delve into this with you and explore how it's kind of going to grow and different strategies that organisations can implement. But before we get to that stage, could you just give us a background on what the current state of identity and access management solutions is in the market at the moment, and really how are organisations approaching the implementation idea? Yeah, sure. I will start with the identity and access management solution and then in your second part of the question about the implementation. Mm. But first of all, let me start by saying there's a differentiation between a traditional identity and access management solution versus a customer identity and access management solution. A traditional identity and access management platform focuses more on internal employees matter, whilst the customer identity and access management platform are focused on B2B and B2C use cases. So both of these platforms have different concerns and needs. Customer identity platforms are customer-facing, yet need to be more scalable, high-performing, plus the authentication methods must be user-friendly and and frictionless. So if I go back to your question, if you would have asked me this question last year, my answer would be quite straightforward. We saw an increased evolution of the digital transformation, whilst in the last year, 41% of the CEOs had it on their radar. And in 2018, it was only about 21, 22%. And then secondly, we saw the move of digital identity from a point solution to a more strategic layer. However, as we see today, the market has seen an unexpected shift in 2020 the sudden need to scale and implement identity and access management solutions for remote working, the radical forced adoption of online shopping, meetings, socializing, and these things are some of the big shifts we are all facing today. And this will set the bar for doing business differently in the near future. Secondly, with respect to the implementation of these solutions, This actually reminds me of your previous podcast with Stefan Fable. Mm. One of his key elements in that podcast was about companies adopting cloud services faster. 
and specifically for the identity and access management world, it's a very changing environment. 39% of the companies confirm they can't catch up with this rapidly changing industry and they don't have the skills themselves. So a few years ago, companies were very interested to implement themselves as much as possible. But with the evolution of identity as a service, this is more about configuration than it's about deploying a product. So instead of trying to catch up, they rely more on the expertise of the identity as a service company so they can go faster to the market. They gain the benefit from the knowledge of these industry experts. And last but not least, they can focus on their own business innovation. Okay. It's very interesting to see that kind of shift and, and how it's kind of evolved. And later in the podcast, we'll, we'll get to kind of what the future of all of this looks like. But uh, it, it's interesting to hear how that implementation strategy has changed. There's one thing I was kind of curious about that I was hoping you could walk us through is the build versus buy strategy. What are the benefits and, and the limitations of both these areas? When dealing with external authentication, quite often companies are still building their own customer identity and access management systems, thinking this is the fastest way forward and the less expensive solution too. But as digitalization becomes more and more on the C-level radar, this goes actually hand in hand with identity. And that is key nowadays. So what we see in general is that more companies are looking at identity as a service solution. This approach allows companies out-of-the-box technology that enables them to increase the time to market. On top of this, for the IDAS companies like Outzero, this is their core existence, meaning they are on top of the new changes into this industry, and they are able to address these new needs and requirements more rapidly than any industry can do themselves. Another benefit I see is that you have a central repository, a single view of your customer. It allows companies to have a better understanding of their interests and preferences or needs. And what we see very often is that companies have a user store per application. And most of the companies have more than just one application. That means that not only developers need to develop the, the, the need to develop the identity management part over and over again, but you lose time to market. And what about the manageability of these user identities? Your customers are key assets to any business. You can better treat them correctly and show your understanding and know them than asking the same questions over and over again. This will frustrate your end customer, and I believe both you and me, Max, we all had some kind of experience in our past already and we don't appreciate them at all. So with a proper identity as a service solution, you will not only be faster to the market, you will understand your customers much better than your competitors. Mm. And so the identity solution is a revenue generator rather than a cost. Okay, yeah. And I think that's a very key point there of understanding the user, that that should be our main takeaway as we're kind of going through this conversation, because it, it's such an important element for understanding all of this. And companies, you know, they're looking at these solutions, they're looking at identity and access management options that they can do. And 
I think it's safe to say that, you know, user experience, as you've mentioned there, and also security as well, is going to be more important than ever as this grows and builds as we move forward. So what do they need to be looking at to ensure that kind of seamless and almost invisible identity access management solution for their users? That's a good question. And especially the one word you mentioned, invisible. In my opinion, there are a few things that are very important. What is the goal? What is the level of friction? And last but not least, what about security? So when you talk about the goal of the authentication process, is it only facilitating the authentication so you can verify that the users really is who he or she claims to be? Or is it a logging mechanism, an enabler to know your end customers better and provide better service? Take an insurance company as example. Do they just want you to allow access to your account? Or do they want you to have insight on all the policies you have and provide better information, etc., so they can improve the mutual relationship and trust level with you as their customer? The second part was the friction. What is the minimum friction looking like or should look like? This actually depends on the industry. Nobody will have a problem with banks having a thorough logging mechanism because they have your money. But when it comes to consuming videos or articles, you can better be sure that the end user has easy and fast access to the requested content before they jump to your competitor. And the last thing is the security. It's a broad layer, but one step in the authentication process could be multi-factor authentication. When should I enable multi-factor authentication to increase the security level, for example, for a financial transaction or when it's more about personal sensible data like patient files? And like you said in your question, invisible, that's key. Because after all, the best identity and access management solution is the one that has barely no visibility, at least from an end customer experience. Exactly. It comes back to that original topic we were talking about of uh, user experience and seamless nature of use. You don't want those friction points because, as you say, you you will lose them very, very quickly. And and security is such a a big thing as well that we're, we're looking at here and you know, there's, there's current methods available. If we look at stuff such as um, SSO and social logins, what are the risks of these from a consumer, but also a business perspective? Good question, Max. So let me start by differentiation SSO, single sign-on, and social login. So the social logins are more common practice in a B2C or even a B2B2C scenario, so consumer-related, whereas single sign-on, sometimes also called federation, comes in place when you want to interact with business part. So let me start with the social logins. The risk with social logins is mainly the willingness to trust them as an end user. That also depends on the age of the individual. Some are relying on Facebook, but with the release signing with Apple, we do see a shift towards this new social IDP as it's considered more trustworthy. It all comes with the trust level each of these social logins has on the market or on a personal perspective. Therefore, it's very important for companies to be able to change your social IDPs you're providing to the end customers, as this is a very fast changing logging mechanism as well. We do see an increase, 
in this usage of social IDPs by 23% last year. But yet, most users are still using a username-password combination. We expect the usage of social IDPs will grow over time once their trust level has increased with the audience. After all, it's making your logging experience less frictionless, and moreover, it's even more secure than a username-password combination. When we talk about integrating business partners, so the single sign-on, the risk with the single sign-on, as in federation, is more in the mechanism. More and more companies are asking for federation just because this makes their life easier. This way, they remain the owner of the internal process and data, and with federation, they can make the logging experience of their employees or end customers in case of B2B2C more better. The risk, or better difficulty, is that with a proper single salon solution, it's a nightmare for other companies to set up these connections and maintain them. Mm, okay, that's interesting then to kind of see that approach and how it differentiates between the two. Obviously, this is something that is becoming more prevalent in society, and a lot of people are, a lot of businesses are relying on it, and a lot of users are also finding it easier. But it also comes down to the business logic of what do they need to be thinking about when it comes to not only gaining trust in their customers, but maintaining it? Because a large issue of what we're seeing is we're seeing more kind of security issues and threats coming each day. So it's staying on top of that and staying ahead of that. So how do they get to that point of maintaining that? But I see, that's my personal opinion, it's the same as in your personal life. As from when do you trust people enough to allow them into your inner circle? Nobody will trust anyone without transparency, clear communication, honesty, and consistency. The weight we all give to each of these elements is different. As we are all human beings with our own ethics and values, so are companies. These are core elements of trust. Important is to validate these elements in your digital interaction with your end customers. How to achieve these elements is basically reflecting the company's value and style. Mm. To be able to achieve this relationship on the technology level, you need to have a solution in place that easily can assist them in gaining this trust level. A good solution has the flexibility and drive to enable business getting this trust level they had in mind. A company should not change their values because the technology can't support the desired state. The better you trust people, or customers in this case, the better your connection will be and the friendship will remain. Friendship, like in personal life, it's more customer service relationship in the digital world. Perfect. I think that's a brilliant answer, Chris, and a very apt approach that I think a lot of businesses, if not already adopting, should definitely. It's about having that trust, flexibility, and also a human face is going to allow users to to build that trust to move forward. So I think that's 100% right. And another thing I wanted to touch on is obviously, if organizations are implementing apps and it's the way forward for pretty much all organizations at this point to have that kind of connectivity with its users... What kind of key features do they need to consider for that longevity, but also as we've been talking about the safety element as well? There are a couple of technical decisions to make early on in the process, and this is a crucial one. For example, choosing between native, hybrid, or web application 
carries many implementations for your later development and maintenance. This brings a couple of elements to consider related to the longevity and security. The programming language they are building, for example, the access to native device APIs. This will depend on the device functionalities that you want your app to access. And also the multi-platform support. This will be based on your target audience and the market you want to penetrate. Because most often you want to be present both on Apple's App Store and the Android's Play Store. So you'll need to find a solution that can handle different languages and platforms. That allows your developers to use the same authentication providers regardless of the language you have used to build the app. Secondly, with APIs being more the standard integration layer, these APIs need to be secured as well. And last but not least, follow published best practices on utilizing authentication and authorization. For example, the token-based authentication and the open standards. I think that's some very key areas that a lot of organizations should follow there. Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I've got one kind of final question before we wrap up here. How do you see this identity access management evolving over the next few years? And what do you want to see become the standard as we move even deeper into this digital environment? I see three key areas. One is credential stuffing. The second one, continuous authentication. And certainly, the Internet of Things, the IoT. Mm. So more focus on the credential stuffing, it's about detection and prevention. The more people live digital, the more interested hackers are going to be. We already see a huge increase in the last years, but the possibilities and the capabilities are also made available for a bigger audience. Therefore, this prevention and detection will have to get more attention for customer identity and access management providers. Related to that point of credential stuffing, continuous authentication will be for sure the new way forward. Instead of a user being either logged in or logged out, your application continually scores this risk. If we are not confident enough to warrant, for example, a banking transaction, we can prompt the user to input more information. When detecting an action that indicates that the user changed, the identity platform can also decrease the score, essentially making an explicit logout obsolete. Meaning each user action constraints based on acceptable risk or context. That's the second point. The last point where I definitely believe in is the Internet of Things. As digital transformation gains momentum, New types of digital identity are emerging and growing rapidly. Identity management has traditionally focused on human identities, but there are also non-human identities, and these must not be overlooked. Everyone and everything has an identity. It's easy to understand the human identity, but also the devices have an identity, like a serial number, for example. In this digital world, humans are interacting more and more with devices, with things. And there needs to be a trust level as well. Same goes for these devices. Taking a car example. It's built with many different components, all interacting with each other to make our experience better and to drive more safely. 
These must be very well secured to avoid hackers taking over the control of these elements. I 100% agree, and it's a very interesting space that we're going to see evolve over the next couple of years, and especially in those three areas, uh, credential stuffing is a big topic I've been discussing recently as well, so it'll be interesting to see how this evolution goes, and as you mentioned there, IoT is going to be such an important factor as well around all of this, so Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you genuinely. Thank you for coming on to the podcast and walking us through all of this and, and explaining all of it to us. The pleasure is all mine, Max. I'm, I'm really appreciated when you handled a couple of good questions over here. <laughs> of course. Well, thank you very much, Chris. And thank you to everyone who took the time to listen. If you want to find out more information on what we've discussed today, make sure you head on over to authzero.com and we'll be back soon with another episode. You've been listening to the EM360 Podcast. For more great content, head on over to em360tech.com.